Podcasting straight from North Carolina is Dr. Jennifer Eichner-Lowry sharing her author journey with you. Jen Lowry writes is a place where amazing things happen for authors and readers together. The Holy Spirit is the ultimate podcast host. Jen is just the bird singing the song. She is a published author, educator, homeschool mama, life coach, and dreamer. Join her on the daily journey of discovering what this writing life is all about. Let's see what she will be led by the Holy Spirit to talk about today. Here's Jen. Thanks for supporting my Jen Lowry Writes podcast. My purpose is to inspire and encourage others to chase after their writing goals with faith and courage. By hitting the support this podcast button and with your monthly contribution of 99 cents, $4.99 or $9.99, you are helping me chase after mine. Welcome to my official author podcast. My name is Dr. Jennifer Lowry, and you're on the early ride to work with me this morning. Um, and I'm on my first can of Mountain Dew. I know I had my health nutritionist coach come to school the other day and talk to everybody about how much sugar is in Mountain Dew. And I'm like, I know, here, do you want to use my can as an example? <laughs> And I pull out my second can and let her hold it up and use it as an example of how to read the labels. So I will admit that um, I'm going to blame it on my busy lifestyle. If I can't make coffee, I'm having a Mountain Dew first thing in the morning. So I know I need to stop. I need to stop. However, I've been getting to work earlier Um, I've been telling you guys this this week, and um, I told my husband, it's amazing, like, how many people still find me, and so it's probably not beneficial, but I've tried to start this routine, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to still get up earlier, like I've been doing, but I'm just not going to leave the house. I'm going to check some things um, prior to leaving the house, do my work prior to the house leaving, and then just leave on time. And then I'll be finished with the day for what I what's on my mind is like my first steps to do. So by me saying that, I do need to make room on my desk, clean everything up a little bit because my it is overwhelmed with books right now. Um, I will be honest with you guys and tell you that as all of my dreams of having a book bookcase or a bookshelf for my house, I do not. Now I have the most beautiful bookcase. Um, in my office. It is the most gigantic bookcase ever. Um, But I do not have that in my own home. And so I have books stacked everywhere. Books in bags and closets. And I I can't have any um, qualms about it. Even my trunk in the backseat of my car. I have books everywhere. (laughs) So um, I was saying last night how it would be a dream of mine to have a house that has a room that could have like an office that could have bookcases that could be my place um we just don't have the space so we're doing the best that we can and i'm not going to be all whiny about it just know that i've got to clean up some things so i can actually set up my office space again um because then i can work each morning so i wanted to share with you guys about the way that we talk 
and or the way I talk. So this is going to be a personal statement here. I don't know if anybody has noticed or not, but I do have an accent. Now, for many years, I denied my accent. I said that I did not have one and that the, all the people around me were completely wrong. And I want to tell you a story of what happened to me when I went to college. So I am from a very small town. You guys know we were a one-stop light for a very long time until the railroad closed up one of the um, road crossings so they didn't have to stop so much and to the, slow down as much. Um, and they gave us a second stoplight as a negotiation. Um, and so now we're actually up to three stoplights in our town. Our town did not grow. <laughs> um, just the stoplights did. So this is kind of like where I was you know, raised, um, where I long to be in my life. I love the small community. I love the small atmosphere. So I go to a small university and I started off there. Now, we had to take a speech test. And that means we had to read into this tape recorder. Yes, when tape recorders still existed. And I was called back and I was told, okay, we want to talk with your parents. And I'm like, okay, why? Um, I went to college when I was 17. I, I turned 18 in the summer. So I was still, you know, fresh and young. And um, I had already, you know, got a bunch of college credits under my belt taking bunches of summer school classes and so i'm like well, why do you need to call my parents i felt like where was my independence here and they said we want to talk to your parents because we want to interview them because we want to see what their accent sounds like they the lady was some kind of linguistic expert and she felt like she wanted to take it upon herself to study me and my family now i am not kidding you and I'm like, I'm sorry, but I don't give you permission to call my parents. Um, I actually kind of got offended by it, to, to be quite honest. Um, she was like, well, I want to hear how your mother talks. Well, my mama would say, I be going to the store. And she would not care how she talked. She would not change her voice or the way she was. Now, they used to pick at me about my accent. And they would say they don't know where the, I got it from. So, maybe out of my whole family, I don't even, I, don't, I didn't never really claim that I had one until I was older, like now, because I have to hear it so much, but my aunt talks extremely proper. My aunt, Dot, Dorothy, you'll see her name in every one of my books. Um, she, she speaks extremely proper. Um, she has a wonderful tone about her voice. She could be a narrator for children's books. It's amazing. Um... But I refused to let them talk to my parents. And my parents were like, I'm not talking to them people. Now, you've got to remember, my mom dropped out in ninth grade. My dad dropped out in 11th grade. And they were not the ones that were going to be sitting there, going to be interviewed by some college professor wanting to find out where the culprit is, where's the, the issue with my voice. And so the woman was like, I'm going to require you. Now, she said the word require you to take a speech course so that you can learn how to speak with a neutral tone because here's her reason guys this is a true story her reason to my face was that i would never be able to get a job outside of robinson county well i will likely um rebuke that get behind me saying kind of concept 
And I was like, why would you say such a thing to a fresh into college student who knows they're going to college to get a degree so they can get a job? And I was like, well, I want to stay in Robinson County for the rest of my life anyway, so I don't really care. Like, my people will accept me. But I wanted to rebuke that to say, you know, the Lord can open doors wherever he wants for me. And so I challenged that requirement. One, I was taking 21 hours a semester. And guys, yes, call me a geek, call me a nerd, all you want. But in three years, I graduated and I graduated with two degrees. So I was on this plan right away that I knew that I wanted to do this. And I was on full scholarship. If I would have taken this extra speech class, that would have been an elective. It's not a requirement. It was an elective. And I was in there taking advanced scholars courses for the Chancellor Scholarship Program. And I'm like, so she's wanting me to take an elective, which means I would have to take one of my required courses out, which would throw me off of my three-year plan. And I'm like, I don't like that thought. I don't like that. There used to be an Alabama song that my mama loved. Um, if anybody wonders why lyrics started in Alabama, it wasn't because of the state. I have never been there. It was because of that country band. <laughs> but um, there was a song. My mom actually would say, Jennifer, this is a song for you. And it's, I'm in a hurry to get things done. I rush and rush until life's no fun. That's the lyric. I remember it, y'all. All I really want to do is live and die but I'm in a hurry and I don't know why I think that's it when that song came out my mom was like Jennifer that's like your life she was like honey you need to slow down and in retrospect I probably should have just finished in the four-year time frame I mean I shouldn't have put so much pressure on myself or I should have got a third degree if I would have been smart about it I probably would have got another degree that I loved which I would have loved to have received an English degree um but I wasn't quite in that author mode as I was back then. If I would have been smart, and if I could, you know, like they say, go back, what would you do? I would have um, received that creative writing degree just, to, just for fun. Y'all, I took religion just for fun. So I'm not saying that I would have went out and become a copy editor. I would just have taken it for fun, and it could have helped me in my career now. Um, so anyway, going back to the story... I was very upset that this lady used the word required to me. And I'm like, nope. So I appealed it and they had to have a meeting and they had to have the director um, come in. They had to have the department chair come in. And luckily the department chair knew about like, you know, the Chancellor Scholars Program and he understood about my course. I had to speak with him. He, he called me into his office and maybe he called me into his office to kind of do an informal interview just to see what was going on. Um, maybe he was checking my speech out too. Maybe he was wanting to see what my accent sounded like. Now guys, this was not the way that I formed sentences. This was based on my accent. And I think for years, that kind of hurt me when I talked. I'm going to be quite honest. Because I was like, what did this lady find in me that she heard on a tape recorder that was going to stop me, you know, from finishing the way I wanted or to add another class that I was going to have to pay for that was an elective that didn't count, yet she called it required. And it stung. 
And here I was just being myself, just talking and, and, and going about my business. Because you know why I knew it wasn't about anything else? Because we had to read off of a piece of paper. Everybody had to take the speech test and it was a piece of paper and it had the words already on it. So it's not like I was sitting up there doing our colloquialisms that we have back home. No, it was just seriously reading off of a sheet of paper, which meant it was totally based on the tone of my voice and the style of my writing. I mean, like the style of my reading, the way that it sounded or whatever, my accent. So long story short, I know I tell the longest story ever. I'm gonna laugh about that in a minute when I tell you something. So they called me back in, and I was a nervous wreck. I had to wait outside in the hallway. Um, the boy's dad went with me, and he sat with me and held my hand to support. Because I was like, oh, my gosh, you know, this is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. I would have never thought that I would have had to go through this as a freshman. And he calls me back in, and he was like, you know, I don't remember the exact words that he said. But I remember walking away, feeling validated, because he was pretty much saying... This was the department chair at the time, Dr. Vela, and he was pretty much saying this was a bunch of nonsense kind of thing. Um, you do not have to take the class. It is not a requirement. Um, go on about your way. Have a great day. Um, I don't remember all of the words. All I remember is walking out of there knowing that that was the first time in my life that I stood up for myself, stood up um, and voiced, <laughs> hilarious, um, a wrong and I felt like, okay, I did that without my parents. I was very young. I did that. And, you know, the outcome was the way it should have been. I know all of you out there listening to me agree. But, however, that can scar somebody. That can really put a damper on someone's confidence. And so, for years, I struggled with that. And I thought about that. Um funny thing is that my boyfriend who became a husband uh, my boy's dad um, we're like best friends to this day but he actually took a class under that woman that did that mess to me and she just raved and raved about his papers and about him and um, she told him you need to go into journalism and of course he did switch over in his major from political science to journalism and then went to chemistry he was all over the place um, but when I, every time after that, when I knew that I would have to present, I was like, is my voice good enough? How can I try to block my voice? And so I, I tried to muffle it in a way. I wanted to really restrain myself and hold back. So did I work outside of Robinson County? Yes. And I work in Wake County around a bunch of northerners. So Wake County is a very unique county. Um, we have 53 languages spoken at our school. Okay. And I do get picked about my accent at least once a day where I work. They pick at me. They say, why do you say daughter? Well, that's because I say daughter. Um, yesterday, one of my little students, she laughed. I cannot remember the word. Oh, pretty. I said, um, I said, you know, that is so pretty. I, instead of saying pretty, I'm like pulling it all the way out. I said, pretty. And she said, why do you say pretty? It's pretty. And I said, well, you know what I meant. <laughs> um, and that we laughed about it. And I was talking about how her grade had improved. And then she's not failing a class anymore. And it was so pretty. And so I know that sometimes I can slip with a word pronunciation. Um, when I get very comfortable, my accent does tend to get thicker. 
which means it's really hard to be around Eli's family because you are supposed to be comfortable around family. Well, Eli's family is Puerto Rican, and so, of course, they have their own um, accented way that they speak, and he still has family members that speak in choppy English. Um, I never pick at them. I always understand what they're saying and um, in text or in, you know, I just, I know I'm, I'm not going to be that way. However, when I make comments or I try to talk, and I'm not talking about trying to talk in Spanish because, oh my gosh, you should hear me trying to talk in Spanish. I'm talking about when I just talk in English, I will get the repetitive phrase back at me. Like, they will echo me like a bird. And it's not everybody in his family, but there are a few choice brothers in his family that like to do that. So, I'm a little bit quieter around his family than I am around my family. Now, my family, when I'm with them, I'm extremely comfortable. No one ever echoes or, or parrots me. No one ever does that. So, I feel a lot more confident to speak. Um... One time I got the comment, you know, why why are you quiet? You know, you sit with your kids, why are you quiet? Well, because every time I speak, you know, there's something that, you know, I try to engage, there's a comment back. And so sometimes it's easier just to be quiet a little bit and listen and say what you need to say and, and, and move on. So it, it does make me feel a little uncomfortable when people start to pair it. Like I don't quite know. Um, how to respond sometimes, even as an adult. So, the word wish. I don't know how you say wish. I say wish. I guess I pull out the syllables in a lot of words. And so, I like to get things from wish. So, Halloween is coming up, and it's one of my favorite times of the year. It's my favorite holiday. And we're getting ready for a haunted house. So, my husband ordered a speaker system off of wish. And so, I'm um, talking with people at work about the needs that we have. Like, if we could have one of those speaker systems that I could portably, like, I could carry around. Um, teachers could use it when they're outside, when they're doing lectures, or when they're, when they're having presentations in other places that's not their room. So, I was talking about the benefits of having a portable speaker. And I was like, yeah, my husband got it. I know we can't go to Wish because you've got to have purchase orders. But I just gave an example. And I was like, yeah, we went to Wish and we got it for like, you know, $20. And it's waterproof and everything. And she was like, where did you get it from? And I said, Wish. She said, Wish. And she did it extreme. Now, I didn't say it like that, y'all. But she exaggerated it. And I took it. And, I, and the other lady with her laughed and laughed and she was like, oh, I just love your accent. If I could just be around your accent. And I'm like, okay. And so, it, it kind of just makes my back straighten up a little bit more. I don't know if you understand what I'm... It, it, it puts me kind of like then on a, I hate to say a defensive mode, but it just makes me be, become more cautious. That even as a 44-year-old woman, I'm still getting the accent talks every day. Um what helped liberate me and i'm going to be totally honest with you guys is when i went to an author event 
And that's when you guys, if you've got this issue like I do, like if you have a fear of public speaking, if you're concerned about what, you know, how these things look and when it's your turn or, or whatever, you need to be going to these events. I told you last night I went to the Grace Lynn event, but I don't know if I told you guys about Matt De La Pena or not. But I had an opportunity to meet Matt De La Pena in a summer workshop, and it was a wonderful experience. Um, it was a great defining moment for me, and I'm going to tell you why. So I've been making YouTube videos for a long time, and they're about Jesus, and they were about homeschool. This is before my writing really took off, and I had the Everyday Mom Challenge. I had my Bible devotionals. So I had, a, I had my YouTube um, and I was just like, Lord, whatever it sounds like, let the people that hear it receive it. And, you know, people would get on the bottom and might make comments, where are you from? I, I try to pinpoint accents. I think that you're from like Mississippi. Are you from Alabama? And, and I just wouldn't ever tell them because, I mean, now you know where I'm from. I'm from North Carolina and you can find it all over the place. Um, but back then I was just like, no, nah, I'm not even going to go there. I'm not even going to comment. Um, so... Matt De La Pena was at a workshop, and we had to um, we had to do like on the spot writing in front of this amazing author. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna have to read it. And I'm like, okay, I'm gonna take a chance. And I'm like, I'm gonna raise my hand just like everybody else. And if he calls on me, I'm just gonna read it because I loved one little thing I wrote. It was like a little one page. We had to write a one page. I don't even remember what. The assignment was that we had to do an on-the-spot one page and so I wrote it and of course he called on me and all these hands were raised and I was like God thank you so I started to read and I just focused on the words and I read what I wrote and I read it from my heart and it was my it was my little piece and I've never read anything that I've written out loud to anyone and it was the first step out kind of like jumping off of a high board um, and not knowing how to dive kind of experience. So I had all of that going on in the pit of my stomach. When I finished, Matt De La Pena said in that mic, I could listen to you read all day long. And I wanted to cry. And I looked up at him and and, and I know the shock must have been on my face. And he said, are you on radio? Are you, are you somewhere? And I said, I have a YouTube channel. He said, I knew it. And that was a defining moment in my life. And since that time, when it came time to, okay, I'm going to start this podcast. I'm going to make Facebook Lives. I'm going to do videos. Matt De La Pena said he could listen to my voice all day. And I said, if he can say that, I can write how I write. I can be authentic to my voice. I can represent my people the way we speak, in our colloquialisms, in our style. And you know what? If people don't like my voice and I have tips to share, then they're not part of our tribe, right, y'all? That's all I got to say. Because I do get comfortable on the podcast. I do, because I feel like I'm talking to family. I feel like I get excited on the podcast because I've got something that I learned or I've got something I want to share. And because of that, I'm sharing it with you 
I may get excited and a little bit of me might continue to trickle out and I might try to start real formal in case this is a newbie, someone new, but then I'll probably get a little looser and as the podcast goes on, I'm talking my slang. But you guys know that that's just a part of who I am. But I wanted to tell you this story because I struggled for years and years and years. And even though that whole wish comment happened two weeks ago at my workplace and people repeat, and even though I had a repeated word yesterday, people parrot me every day, it's not going to stop me from being me, and especially in my writing. So the Rapture Revolution is not set in the South, but every one of my books, other than that book, is set in the South. Which means, <laughs> what does that mean? It means that y'all's going to be used. So if you don't like y'all, um, you can understand that that's just the way that, that I talk and the way that people around me talk. And I'm talking about my family from my community. Where I'm from, we have a, a distinct style of talking. If you don't believe me, you can Google the Lumbee dialect. And you can listen to Lumbee Indians being recorded. And you can listen to, they have words that that they have created within their culture that nobody would know what those words mean. They actually have like YouTube videos about Lumbee vocabulary. Well, I was raised around a predominantly African-American and Lumbee Indian community. So I was one of the only white people. I was like maybe five of us, maybe. There was one time there might've been one or two of us in a class if that many. Um, And so I was raised with beautiful languages going on around me. And I did, I'm assuming, (laughs) you know, take in some of that vernacular, some of that tone, and then it just became Jennifer. So, so listening and and taking in and um, producing words and sounds, I ended up with my own unique tone that is even separate from my parents. Um, and so now I have to say, I embrace my voice. I embrace my style and I'm not going to stop talking. So for all of that, um, devil trying to shut me up and make me feel self you know, self-conscious and, um, be afraid to speak in front of people. I'm not afraid to speak in front of people anymore. And as soon as I stand up, when I went to the university and it was my time to share my story, I didn't share that story. But in my head, I wanted to say, if that professor would have been sitting here today, knowing the things that I've accomplished in my life with this accent, defending a dissertation on a dissertation committee from, a, from someone from New York University, um, that lets me know that I can get out of Robinson County. <laughs> And I don't ever, I never wanted to anyway. Like, Robinson County is my home forever. That's why you will see Robinson County reflected in a lot of the books that I write. I understand that. That's my homesickness coming out of my heart. But I will say to all of you guys, don't be afraid to share your voice. Be you. Be authentically you. So, I overheard, so authors have really poured into my life. So, that's why I'm telling you, go to as many events as you can go to, because you will learn things. So, even last night, it was being authentic to her Asian culture. She had to identify herself with her Asian culture. I have to be comfortable that, okay, one, I'm a Southern woman. Um, 
I was raised very Southern, um, meaning, you know, the sweet tea, the whole, you know, fried foods um, that could have contributed to my parents' poor health. Um, country music. We went to country music tours all the time, going to all kinds of bands all the time. Got a lot of wonderful experiences. Um, you know, the shirt off your back. My daddy would have given anything to anyone, any stranger off the street. Just kind and loving and um, a gentleman, just a complete gentleman. Um, just, a, just a sweetheart family. That's the kind of family that I grew up in. Um, I can't, I can't even tell you that enough. But when I went to the talk last night, when she was talking about identifying, you know, as an Asian woman, right, you know, now she's not just writing Snow White, she's, she's pulling back into her Chinese culture, and she didn't quite understand what that meant. I'm so inundated with, with now just embracing the blank page and who I am. That my words, when they come out, I don't second guess my words. I don't. So in dialogue, yes, I have to make sure my contractions are there because I have a problem with that. My editor has pulled that out um, numerous. I've had two editors that have talked to me about my contractions. And so, of course, I do check dialogue for that. However, I let them have their unique voices the way that they are supposed to sound and talk. They do. And my descriptions can be maybe a little drawn out because, hey, I think that way. <laughs> I talk that way. My friend told me, you know, you sure can pull out a podcast. You can make it extend a long time. And I'm like, well, that's because I guess I feel like I can talk to you guys. You know, you're my family. I'm just chatting away. And oh, then I'll say, oh, let me tell you one more thing. And oh, I got to tell you one more thing. <laughs> um, so maybe my writing is reflective of that style. So if you've read Lyric, you understand my writing style. If you've read the Hartwell Chronicles or Bridges, that's me. That's me on a page. And so I had someone who got a magical Christmas wedding, and they've never read my work. Okay, so this is their first view into the into the heart and mind of Jen Lowry. So they they got a magical Christmas wedding yesterday, and so my first review is I started it. I loved it. Um, I'm from the North, so I think that the colloquialisms in the book, um, some of the words, it's not grammar. It's just some of the extra words I would probably have dropped. Um, because I'm from up North, we just say what we need to say, get to the point. Meaning, in, in her writing, her writing is probably going to reflect that style. My writing is southern. I'm speaking from my feet planted from a field, okay? I'm speaking from my feet planted from a, a tiny black backyard, a little tiny backyard um, in a small community where I live smack in the middle of town. Um, and so I understand kind of like where I'm coming from, and I'm okay with that. I don't take that as a criticism. I say, ooh, that means that's an authentic voice reflected in there because that's how the people that I know carry on conversation. That's how the people I know um, embrace their voice. And that's something about going back home now. Because I get joked so much by, the, by Northerners that I work with, 
Um, and my husband moved to Connecticut when he came from Puerto Rico. And so he, he can sometimes, when he gets um, political or when he starts talking about something that's very passionate to him, you can start to hear that North come out strong. Um, that's why when I go back home, I ease into my spirit in a way like I cannot tell you because I'm around people that don't have that filter when they speak and they just speak. They're just expressing, they're communicating from their heart, and I feel like I have this freedom. The same way that Matt De La Pena spoke that word of encouragement over my life. I don't know if it was Holy Spirit. Um, I don't know if he's a religious man, and his Holy Spirit knew what my Holy Spirit needed. I know that people can be used by the Lord <laughs> to give these pivotal moments. And so I want to thank Matt Daglapena just for that simple phrase. He did not have to repeat that to me. He did not have to say those words. And that's why I look and I say every opportunity I have to speak a word of encouragement over somebody, you don't know how that could change their life. Y'all, this was not a, a small minor thing for me. This was a huge thing for me. So I'm challenging you today. Every opportunity that you get, instead of mocking someone and mimicking someone and putting someone down, instead of saying it one way, think about a way you can say it in another way. You know, you have a Southern voice that is being reflective in your work. And that's why I loved, loved Kate DiCamillo's work because I felt like I was speaking myself in my head. Like I could hear Louisiana Elefante. I could hear all of that language. And it was beautiful to me. And that's why when I moved from that language capacity and I moved into another book where I was now. So that that book was a reflection of me. Then when I moved into a window book, a window meaning I could stand outside of the window and look into another culture. Um, it took me a couple of chapters to get into that book. So this was a window book. And it was Graceland's Where the Mountain Meets the Moon. So you got to understand, I just finished three books in a row from Kate DiCamillo. Walking into Graceland's book, which is Chinese Folk Tales. And her style and distinct voice. And I had to then embrace the character and the voice. But it did take me a couple of chapters to get into it. So that way I could, you know, further immerse myself. And that is the beauty of books. So if you look at my book as either a window or a mirror, then you are going to say, oh, okay. You're not going to be critical of my book. So I want you to start thinking in those terms. I want you to start thinking in, okay, if you are not from North Carolina or if you are not from the South, when you pick up any one of my books, you're looking at a window. So take it as an opportunity to live in a small Southern town or just a little bit and get to experience what that feels like through my characters. Okay, if you are reading it and you are from the South, then you could possibly already pick it up and ease into it. And it might feel like a place of home for you. It might. I hope so. Um, I know one thing when the lady from Where the Heart Wants, uh, what, um, what the Heart Wants, the, um, the book and the movie. I know you guys have seen it where she has the baby in the Walmart. 
when that agent told me you nailed the Southern voice, I wanted to say, if I can't nail the Southern voice, what else can I not do? And that was when I was trying to pitch Sweet Potato a long time ago to agents. And I sent it directly to her because she had done Where the Heart Is. And her response was, I just can't work within the Christian market. But you need to publish this book. That validated that I knew that Sweet Potato was special because she asked for the entire manuscript. And now Sweet Potato is continuing to be special and she's going to be released in 2020. And so, yes, I did have that word of encouragement, and I still had a closed door. However, when she said, you nailed the Southern voice, I wanted to say, yeah, got it. I hope so, because then that means that I'm being my authentic self. And I'm not saying that I can't write about a California Valley girl, and and if the Lord gives me that kind of speech and that vernacular and that kind of setting and environment, the Lord is going to have to provide all of that for me. Because one, I've never stepped foot in California. And two, I would have to watch a lot of videos, do a lot of research into how that kind of language is spoken. Because we all have a distinct way in which we carry out conversations. And so, you know, when I received that feedback and it was like, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. I love the feedback. I loved it. Because that means that they are looking at a window. And they might not see it like that, but I do. Um, I love to use those words, the windows and the mirrors. And last night, if um, you've never heard Grace Lynn speak, of course, that's what her work was talking about. And so if I'm reiterating that today, taking that, because it's brought it all back into my mind, I learned about windows and mirrors when we started first talking about diverse books and the power of diverse books in our libraries, in our, um, in our classrooms, in our homes, on our bookshelves. Um, I learned about that when I first became a literacy coach four years ago. We began talking this language. It became a part of my existence. And so I'm always looking for diverse work, um, always, you know, on the lookout to provide windows and reflections um, with mirror. So I say that because I'm very passionate about that work um, and because I love it myself. I don't just always want to read from a southern voice. I do want to pick up where the mountain meets the moon and step into Chinese culture for a minute and all of its grace and beauty and its storytelling capacities. I want that for my life because it enriches me and it gives me a different perspective for a little bit. And I feel as if I'm floating with the dragon. I feel like as if I'm floating, like I'm one of those Chinese dragons in a parade. And I feel like I'm going from scene to scene and I'm moving up and down in a parade. That is honestly like this, This I'm feeling like I'm a part of something that I've never been a part of. I've never been to China. I've never been outside of the United States. We went to Canada for what, four hours and my dad turned around because nobody spoke English. They were speaking French and he was like, what have I done? And we drove home. Um... And so I will say all of this to tell you, reading takes you places. So if you read my books, guess what you're going to get to go to? You're going to get to come to the South. So I welcome you guys to the South in a magical Christmas wedding that's set in the mountains of North Carolina. Um, funny that I've had people think that I'm from the mountains of North Carolina. And this happened to me the other day. Literally, someone asked me that when I was in Virginia on a three-week excursion with homeschool with my kids living in the camper. 
while my husband hunted, this was in my uh, first marriage, um, we went to this little restaurant to eat, this little pizza joint, and I love Virginia so much. Like, that is a home away from home for me because I spent so much time there. Um, and so, I'm sitting in this place, and I'm just talking to the kids, and this woman just randomly walks up to me, and she says, where are you from? Are you from the Appalachian Mountains? And I said, no, ma'am. And I, I told her where I was from, and I, I kind of did the drawing of the, the North Carolina map out in the air, and I'm like... I'm more towards the coast. You know, I'm more down towards the South Carolina line. Um, you can see south of the border kind of <laughs> right near me. And then she goes, okay, well, I want to invite you to our dairy farm. And would you love to come with us? And I'm like, um, okay. So my voice allowed my kids to go to a dairy farm, milk cows, feed pigs, peanut butter. If my voice opened up that avenue and a great experience for us, I'll never forget that. And it was because my voice drew someone in. So, you know, never be afraid to share your voice. So if anybody out there right now has ever been told anything about their voice, I am challenging you today to know that you are special. You are unique. There is only one you. Open your mouth and speak you. And do it from this well of love and hope and encouragement and do it with a smile on your face. And even when people say stuff to you, if you feel your back straighten a little bit more and you feel like you're trying to hold yourself in, let us walk in the way that the Lord has designed and made us. And I understand the Lord gave me this voice. And I have to embrace it and I have to love it because it's me. And so I challenge you to do that today. So I forgive, yes, I'm saying it out loud. I forgive the woman from long ago who said that I had to take a required course because I would never get a job outside of my county. I forgive her for her narrow-mindedness. She really thought in her heart she was doing the right thing for me. She was trying to protect me, maybe. She wanted me to have that neutral television voice. She wanted me to maybe improve the way that my tone was or, or you know, give me that neutrality, whatever it was. I understand that she was coming from her professional stance. However, I'm very thankful to Matt De La Pena for that pivotal moment in my life where he said, I could listen to you talk all day. So if anybody out there, guys, we got a lot of people in our tribe. If anybody out there knows Matt De La Pena, just know that I want you to pass along the word to him that what he did for me was instrumental in helping me find my voice, not only in my writing, but in my speaking engagements and just, just being able to express myself now in the way of freedom and liberty. And it's from listening to diverse authors that give me that encouragement. Because you know what? I'm unique in my own way, too. And from my own Southern culture, too. And so I love these experiences that have helped shape me as an author. Because now I know that if you pick up my books, you're going to get a little bit of Jen Lowry in there somewhere. All right, guys, I hope that you have a blessed day. I'm going on a field trip today. I love it that I'm going on seven field trips this year, taking my kids all over the world, and I'm, they need it. They need it. My freshmen need these experiences. They don't get them anywhere else. Um, 
So I'm providing those opportunities. My dear friend is allowing us to go on a trip with her. I love how people just connect with me and my kids, and they always have open arms for us. Um, no matter what, what kind of backgrounds my kids have, and no matter what kind of um, issues that we bring, we bring them together with love and a new experience. So just pray for us today for safe travels, a fun time where the kids are going to learn um, they're going to take away at least one life-changing quote or topic or experience uh, just to bring them closer together. I pray for them to build community while we're there too, Lord, um, and acceptance for all people in our class because we have so many different cultures in my class. We have so many different personalities in my class, and it really boils down to the different personalities and learning to work with other people, um, and I pray, God, that this opportunity for them brings them even closer together, um, and so please pray that prayer with me today, and uh, I hope that you have a blessed Friday. Happy Friday. And I'll talk with you guys later. Bye. Now that you found me on the Jen Lowry Writes podcast, I challenge you to head over to where books are sold and find me there. I've published 11 books so far, and I write clean books for all ages. Horror, paranormal, sweet romance, fantasy, historical fiction, you name it, I've got your genre. Search Jen Lowry at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, Kobo, and more. And for my Bible devotionals, you'll see my full name, Dr. Jennifer Eichner Lowry on Amazon. So I challenge you today to go out there and write something inspiring and share it with the world. Thanks for joining me on Jen Lowry Writes. You guys have a blessed day.